Here we are now with another episode of the Andrew Lake Podcast. If you are a regular listener of the Andrew Lake Podcast, please share your favourite episode, as this will help me find my audience. It will help to find the people who are ready to hear what we are talking about here. And today, I'd like to ask this question, answer this question, is Dosta a girl's name? Now, my name is Dosta, if you didn't know that already. And there's a lot to this. And I'd like to talk about the feminine sides and the masculine sides that are within us. And I'd like to share how you can actually enter into different sides in your being. And I'll get to that towards the end. And I'd also like to stress the importance of what it means to have a story of becoming. What is your story of becoming? What have you become? And we're going to look at some examples of that. But to answer the question, is Dosta a girl's name? (laughs) Well, actually, yes, it is. (laughs) And the reason I've got a girl's name is simply because I'm a girl. Now, most people wouldn't think that about me. Most people don't know this about me. And I've never in my life gone out of my way to say this to anyone or tell anyone about this. So I'm not sure how it will be received, but it's true. I'm a girl. I am. I really uh, I really feel that. I feel like, uh, yeah, it's something that's just a part of me. It's, uh, it's also not really the reason why I chose the name Dosta. There's a different story to that. There's a different side to that. This is sort of a an after effect. It's sort of just a coincidence that Dosta is a girl's name. And I didn't actually find out till after I got the name that it's a girl's name. So a lot of these thoughts are sort of just coming after the fact. But how I really feel and how I express what's in me, well, this is a little part of that. This is a piece of that. Now, let me explain, because this might be a bit confusing. I say I'm a girl. And really what I mean is, I'm also other things. And I'm some other things more than that I am a girl. And really, a better way to talk about this would be masculine and feminine. Because biologically, I'm a male. I'm a guy. I'm a man. But inside, psychologically spiritually, experientially, I am both a man and a woman. I am both masculine, feminine. And exploring these two sides has been amazing. It's been great. There's been so much to it. And it's not common knowledge. This is not stuff that people know about. Now, usually when you're a kid, you get given a name And it's pretty much got to be a boy's or a girl's name, depending on your biology. 
because otherwise you're going to get teased in school and there's going to be a bit of confusion around it. Now, some names are versatile. They're both boys for both boys and girls, and some are used in a slightly edgy way and sort of they push that edge. But in my culture in the West, most of the time, you get a boy's name if you're a boy and you get a girl's name if you're a girl. Now, when you grow up and you become an adult and you go through your story of becoming and you find yourself, it's possible to choose a different name and actually to choose it from a different culture by a different gender. So boys can have girls' names and girls can have boys' names. And there's a reason behind this because it is the extra emphasis on how the opposite of what you were told you were is true. It is as if to say, I'm choosing a girl's name because you you told me I'm a boy and I realize that I'm actually a girl and I actually want to embrace the feminine side of me. And if you're choosing a name from a different culture, this is much easier. It's not as such an obvious thing. So say you have an Eastern name or a, an Asian name. So Dosta is one of those. Well, actually, Dosta is pretty pretty versatile because it's both it's both Asian and and Indian. <laughs> it's sort of got a double meaning. And well, the thing is that the, the point is there that it's not a Western name. So if I was to choose a Western name as my new name, which was feminine, then that would have to have a pretty obvious reason to it. It'd have to have a big reason to it. And perhaps something like having a sex change would be that reason. And people do that. This is why people choose new names for themselves that are of the opposite sex of what they were born as. And that is a story of becoming. That is a story of finding yourself. And there's really something in that. There's really something quite powerful for someone to realize, I've been a girl, I've been a woman all along, and I've wanted to grow into that, and I've had all these things told to me from my culture, which I'm now coming out of. And, of course, the fact is that you actually have both sides. And when someone has a sex change, it really just means they want to go into one side more, they want to express one side of themselves more, or they want to embody certain aspects within their being more, and they want that to have a sort of function within their social circle and their society and the things that they're doing and the communities that they're involved in. And that's fine. That's great. Of course, there's no problem with that. It can be a very colorful life. It can be very, very opening in so many ways. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing that as a way of navigating new parts of their being. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're aware of integrating both the feminine and the masculine within them. And now, of course, not only do we have people having sex changes and those sort of amazing stories of coming to know yourself, coming to find yourself, but these days we also have the reverse sex change, <laughs> which is sort of like, okay, so I, I was a transgender and then I detransitioned. <laughs> and that's like, whoa, what an, 
what an even more crazy story of becoming. Like, let's really find out what happened there. You would really have a story to tell. How do you make sense of that? And, well, that's just part of the diversity of all the things that we are, isn't it? What a magnificent display of different lives we've all lived as human beings on this big blue ball. And there's quite a few stories of becoming, and I'd like to talk about some of the different ones because I think this is really important. I think it's just something to be aware of and something to really think about and something to really cherish if you have one of these, if you've found one of these. So if you're a transgender, how do you feel about that story of becoming? That's the question. And let's talk about some other stories where it's important to recognize that you've become something that is worthy of celebration. It's worthy of cherishing. It's worthy to be cherished. So there's not only having a sex change, but there's also finding your vocation, finding your job, finding your career, finding something where you say, this is something I want to work at for years. This is something I want to get really good at. This is something I want to study. This is something I want to develop skills in. This is something I want to excel in. And I can spend the majority of my day doing that because it actually brings in some money and it can function within society and I can use it to pay some bills and I'm able to really just focus so much energy on it and I'm happy doing that because it's a passion. Now, that's a rare thing. Not everybody has that. Not everybody does that. And for many people, for years, they spend life just lost I don't know what to do. I've never really been that passionate. I've never really had serious interests. I've sort of just tried lots of different things. And that's why it's a story of becoming, to find your vocation. Then, of course, there's also, this is a classic, homosexuality. This is similar to having a sex change. But homosexuality, well, it's up there as well, and it's very different. I imagine it's very different for a homosexual as it is to someone who's a transgender. And sexuality, that's sort of a big topic. That's a broad topic. If we say sexuality or sexual identity as the broad topic, then we've got transgender in there and also homosexuality. And then also then also just sexual exploration. Have you found your sexual exploration? Have you found someone who can experiment with you and find things with you and really you can just have your fill and do all sorts of things? And that also is rare. That's also something that is a point in life that we reach where we're very lucky to reach that point because not everyone does. People deal with their sexuality and they have sexual relationships in so many different ways. But to really find your sexuality, to really be comfortable in your sexuality, whether you're a homosexual or a heterosexual, that's a story of becoming. That's a story of 
finding something that's really precious to you, something that's worth cherishing. Then there's also the story of rags to riches. Now, this is different to your vocation. And this is why these stories of success are so interesting. And people so often emphasize, and you you hear these stories all the time now. These are the stories that are being sold to you, which is, I started out with barely any money. I had no money in my bank account. Now look at me. Look at how much money I've got. Look at all the things I can do because of the money. Look at the places the money has taken me. Look at the people I'm with. Look at the things I can buy. And that's different to finding your vocation. That's very different to having something that you're passionate about. When you find your vocation, you would really find a way to do it even if you couldn't make money from it. That's the difference, really. And of course, it's hard to it's hard to distinguish those two because, well, you're often going to be making money if you're working at something for a long time anyway. But the rags to riches story, that will always be something. That will always be a story of becoming. And in a sense, everyone has some way of coming into a relationship with money. They have some way of coming into some financial stability. And, well, of course, just like sexuality and finding your vocation, it's not always the case that they do find the riches. It's not always the case that that is core to their central identity or their sense of their story of themselves. And that's why we have so much interest in these people who have rags-to-riches stories as a part of them. And then we've also got starting a family. And I put this in the same sort of thing as finding your soulmate or finding your life partner. Now, many people spend a lot of time thinking, wondering, or have it in the back of their mind. How am I going to start a family? Who am I going to find to have kids with? When am I going to be able to settle down? Now, this is a funny one because I think actually much of the time, of course I can't say all of the time, but much of the time parents take their family lifestyle for granted and they can't remember how much they wanted what they've got. There is a lot to that. There is a lot to what it means to really appreciate something that you wanted, something that you asked for. And if you are able to settle down and have that lifestyle and it is something you wanted, then cherish it, celebrate it. And of course, remember how much you did want it. And the other side is, or another side, is that Sometimes you realize it's not what you wanted. Sometimes you realize that it's not exactly what you thought you were in for. And things didn't turn out how you wanted. So family is a tricky one. Family is a complicated one. And I always like this funny joke from Larry David, who was the creator of Seinfeld, famous TV show. And his joke is that He sees the women, and all the women that are married or with someone, they're happy. And he sees the men, and all the men that are single, 
or divorced are happy. <laughs> so which way is it going to be? What's it going to do for you? And that's a big one also. Just just finding, and I mean, I don't mean to be so as skeptical as Larry David. I mean, I do believe there are twin souls in this world. I do believe there's someone out for each of us. Maybe not for each of us, but that that's a tricky, like that's a big one. There's a lot in there and there's so many backs and forths. But the point here, the reason it's a story of becoming is because when you find that thing, you realize that that's something truly amazing. And that can be family or finding your soulmate. Okay, what about this one? What about overcoming depression? You suffered your depression and now you've been able to come out of it. That really is a beautiful thing. That really is an amazing thing. And it can be a story that happens in many different ways. It can be some sort of struggle. It can be an emotional struggle. It can be a pain. It can be a disease. It can be all sorts of things. But coming out of depression is especially, especially beautiful. It's an especially profound thing when someone does that. And of course, again, like rags to riches, that's why we love to hear these stories. We love to hear these people who are so happy and have these amazing relationships and have these beautiful outlooks on life and hear where they were, what it was like for them back long before they were able to get to that point and to hear that, well, they were actually quite depressed, even suicidal. And it takes a lot to acknowledge that. It takes a self-knowledge for the person to acknowledge that. And that's a story of becoming. And similar to depression is addiction, alcoholism, drug abuse, substance dependency. And those stories are beautiful. Those stories are of some tortured souls. And it's great to see that people have come out of it and you can see that they're able to speak about their darkness. They're able to make peace with that time in their life. And that's a struggle that's well worth winning the fight in. That's a war that's worth waging and worth concluding because addiction and substance abuse and alcohol is so destructive. It just ruins people's lives. And of course, with all these stories, with all these stories of becoming, not everyone does make it. Not everyone is able to have their story of becoming as something that is beautiful, something that is flowering. Perhaps in with this as well is overcoming abuse or trauma, such as childhood trauma or sexual harassment, sexual assault, these sorts of things. That's where someone has actually directly done something to you. And that can cause a lot of pain. That can cause a lot of fragments in relationships. And you can go through a lot of therapy. A lot of, I should say as well, very expensive therapy. (laughs) 
It's not cheap, but it's beautiful and it's worth it. It is worth it because when you come out of it, you can see that that is your story of becoming. And further still, maybe another sort of correlation to this story of coming out of abuse and trauma, making peace with the past, is someone who's making peace with their past as someone who was violent. How about that for a story of becoming? Someone who was the person doing the assaulting. The person who was actually the one causing the trauma. Someone who had had violent criminal records and actually done time in prison and was a violent person. And then at some stage actually had something happen to them. They had certain awakenings. They had certain shifts. They had certain shifts in their, they had certain, I should say, realizations. Maybe they met someone who was important to them, who was able to help them. Maybe they had some sort of special relationship with someone. And that was able to see them, help them see the errors of their ways. But that's just as powerful as to see the error of your own ways, to no longer be a violent person. And that can be a very powerful story of becoming. And if we look at these and we zoom out a little bit further, we actually start to see that there are commonalities between them. And we really go through these and we have a look at what is the core becoming? What is the real essence of a story of becoming? And we look at things on a grand scale so that we can actually put them into a deeper understanding. We can understand how much it can affect us on a more personal level and a deeper level. And if we do that, we can see that there are categories of stories of becoming or a category which has stories of becoming which are a little bit different. They're a little bit beyond these sort of classic case scenarios of stories of becoming. And one of those, one of these stories that is a little bit further beyond is finding God. It's coming to terms with the existence of God and what it means for you to be in a relationship with God. And of course, I'm well aware of dogmatic and institutionalized religion as a negative trait within our culture as a negative force within our culture. I'm also aware of new atheist paradigms and how we can have those conflict with beliefs of God or what we say about God. But when you're really genuine about your insight and your quest into what it means for you to become a human being and even something beyond that, then you have to look at God. You have to understand what it means for you to become something with God. And that's a very powerful story. And sort of following on from that, we also have making peace with death. Making peace with your existence. Making peace with 
what it means for you to exist at all, making peace with reality. And we could even say that reality and God are interchangeable. They can be used as concepts that we just label certain things. So if you don't like using the word God, you can just say reality or consciousness or oneness or Atman or transcendence or any of these sorts of words. Really, the words are just they're just little things that we have happening. They're just little things that go along and bubble around. What we're really looking for, what we're really trying to find is what they imply. And things like God and transcendence and consciousness, they have a version of the story of becoming. They have a version of where you can actually be in one way. You're in something, you are something, you think something, you feel something, you experience something, and that can transition into something else. And once you've made that transition, you can recognize it. You can understand it in an explicit way. You can talk about it. And you can celebrate it. And the question is, What does it mean for you to have your ultimate story of becoming? Because if you've found your vocation, you've found your sexuality, you've found a way to make money, you've started a family or you haven't, you've overcome your depression, you've overcome your addiction, all of those things, I'm here to tell you that that's only the beginning I'm here to tell you that those stories really just scratch the surface. And in a sense, they're a practice run. They give you a taste of what is to come. They give you a taste of what's possible when you find the deeper story. When you find that thing that is further beyond... And what it is, well, it's an existential celebration. It's an eternal celebration. It's a flowering of existence. It's a flowering of your consciousness and your being. And I would wish that for anyone. I would wish that for everyone. And that's why I'm talking about it. So, at the beginning of this conversation, you might remember that I talked a bit about what it means to enter the opposite sex. This is what it means to actually be a girl if you're a boy. And this is the same as if you're a girl, you can be a boy. And this can help you to explore your feminine and masculine side. So, let's, let me give you some practical tips We've talked about the stories of becoming and what it means to do that. But now let me give you something more practical, more down to earth. Now, there's this great book, which I've talked about before, and I'll talk about again, called The Two Shores of Love. And that is a book which is great for understanding these techniques. And that is really a lot of where these ideas come from. And it's about inner man, inner woman. Now, 
One quick tip or one quick thing that you can do is you can say, what happens when I? And you can use that koan. And you can finish it as, what happens when I become a man again? Or, what happens when I become a woman again? Now, I did a whole series on this. I actually did, I think it's like a 10-part series on what happens when I, and every episode was a different ending. And it was like, what happens when I think? What happens when I tell the truth? What happens when I become a child again? What happens when I fall in love? Well, that same technique applies to the feminine and the masculine. So you can say, what happens when I become a man again? And you can say, when I become a man again, I feel strong. When I become a man again, I feel aggressive. When I become a man again, I feel like standing up. I feel like clenching my fists. When I become a man again, I feel like bossing people around and raising my voice. When I become a man again, I feel like working a lot. And so on. And this applies if you're a man or a woman. You can try both. And if you're a... Well, let's, let's have a listen to the other side. Like, what happens when I become a woman again? What happens when I become a woman again? Well, when I become a woman again, I feel eloquent. I feel feminine. When I become a woman again, I feel like moving my hips. I feel like dancing. When I become a woman again, I feel sensual. And I feel sensitive on my skin. When I become a woman again, I feel like showing off. I feel like having people see me. When I become a woman again, I feel I feel less serious. I don't feel serious at all. I feel like I can actually be light-hearted. And those are some examples. Those are just examples of what you might say to answer this question. Now, we can make this a four-part thing because we can say, what happens when I become a boy again? And when I become a girl again. So we've got man, woman, boy, girl. So now we're looking at a like a four-way matrix of masculine, feminine, adult, and child. And we can thread all four of those with this inquiry question, what happens when I? And that's just an example. That's just, I mean, there's so much in that already. There's so much to do to get you into those different spaces and to see what what are you like when you're a woman? What is your feminine side? Now, it's different for everyone. It's different for everyone. You'll express yourself differently. And the question is, how do you actually feel? Do you know that feeling? Because that's where you start to learn to integrate it. Now, what else? We've also got, let me think, there's so many of these. There's so many techniques. We've also got, okay, so here's a good one. This this is sort of 
basic stuff, but it, there's a lot to it and it actually takes a bit of an organization to do it. And sometimes it's actually rare that you can do this, but take advantage if you can. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you want to be like a girl and you're a man, do what girls do. Now, this is tricky. This is something interesting because, first of all, pretty much anything that happens, both boys and girls do. So it's not enough to actually just say, well, this is a girl's activity, so I'm going to do that. Actually, also, you want to be doing it in the way that your inner feminine does it if you're a man. And you don't want to just be going through the motions. So take, for example, like something like wearing makeup. Now, of course, both guys and girls wear makeup, but say you're a guy and you've never worn makeup, you can actually put makeup on. And if you've got a girlfriend, you can say, you know, maybe this can be a bonding thing. This can be like a couple's thing that you can do. Well, you know, sweetie, why don't you do your, why don't you do my makeup? Make me look something. Make me see. Let's see what we can do. And then you can do it in the comfort of your private space. And that can actually be something very funny for your your girlfriend to do with you. And if you do that, though, it's not enough to actually just do it. You actually have to embody it. And you have to actually say, look into the mirror and say, oh, how do I look? Do I look pretty? These sorts of things. And of course, you can do it in a playful way. You can do it in a joking way. But also, you can really start to sense it. You can start to feel it. Now, there's plenty of examples. You can think of any old thing that will do this. And, for example, if you're a girl, you're a woman, then you can actually say, okay, well, what do men do? And I'll do that. What's something that's really masculine? Should I do some housework? Should I build something? Should I do something dirty? Should I get some mud all over me? These sorts of things. Now, you realize when you do this that it's not that the action is masculine or feminine. You'll realize that it's actually you. It's actually within you. And your own idea and your own conditioning will make that that action, that activity, will mean that that activity is triggering the inner masculine within you. And this is a way of reverse engineering your cultural conditioning. It's actually a way of really inquiring into what it means to have non-gender roles, non-gender stereotypes. And you have to do it experientially. It has to be experiential. You can't be saying stuff about it. It's one thing to say, oh, Men and women can do the same things. There are no inherently masculine or feminine things that are to be done in this world. Well, maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe that is the case. And if it is, you'd want to find out experientially. And really, really it is true because where is the feminine? Where is it located? Where is the masculine? Where is it located? To point, point to the location of the feminine and the masculine, and you'll realize that it's in human beings. It's in human beings. It's in people. Inside. 
It's an interiority, not an exteriority. And that's why you need to do these experientially. That's why you need to actually go out and practice these. Now, there are more techniques, and I was going to talk about the two shores of love, but I think that's probably enough to chew on for now. That's already so much you can work with. And I have talked about the two shores of love and certain breathing techniques previously. I have a whole series on breathing techniques, which goes into this. So take a look at that if you're interested in more of these things. But already, when we're talking about what happens when I, as both masculine, feminine, and adult and child, that's a, that's a four-pronged awareness technique. So there's a lot in that. And then there's also doing feminine things, masculine things. And there's a lot in that too. I mean, you can think of all sorts of things. And if you get the chance to do it with, like if you're a guy and you get the chance to do things with girls, like in a group of girls, that's a very good opportunity. It's a very lucky opportunity. And vice versa. If you're a girl and you get the chance to do things as a group of guys, in a group of guys, well, that's also very lucky. Now, of course, in those situations, there's going to be a lot of sexual polarity happening there. There's going to be the polarity of the inner feminine and masculine playing around, and it's going to be, well, you're not really going to know what's going to come out. You might want to feel very masculine when you're with the women instead of feeling feminine. And, of course, you need to be with trusting people. Because the men that you're around, well, you need to trust them. You need to understand what's happening with them. And, of course, this is why girls do guys' jobs and why guys do girls' jobs. It's because they have that need within them to fulfill their feminine side or their masculine side. And you might say, well, that's not me. I just don't like feminine things. I'm a guy. And to that I would say, well... You're not challenging yourself. You're not exploring your inner being. You're not actually going out and doing things like awareness techniques or experimenting with experiential ideas. And if that's the case, well, you're missing out on riches of life. You're missing out on really the higher qualities of experiencing Because you have to do this in order to integrate both your masculine and your feminine side. And that's where the real juice is. That's where real magical stuff starts to happen. Incredible stuff. So, that's my rant for today. And that's why I like that Dosta is a girl's name. Because it reminds me to come back to my feminine side. And to integrate my feminine side. And actually, there's quite a lot more to say, really, in this. And I still keep having ideas. There's still so much more. But I I feel like I should finish up. So, there's more to say. But I'll say it later on. And that's all I feel to say for now.